A person whose life is blessed is one who enjoys the favor of God. Now, sometimes we make that favor something simply and only the stuff that we can get a hold of. Money and food and cars and things. You know, uh, that, that's, that's just simply not God's definition. Those are the byproducts of the favor of God. They, they, they really are. He gives those things to us so that we can demonstrate what a life in the favor of God really does look like. Peace and hope and contentment and joy, regardless, really, of what's going on. Yes, there are good days and bad days, but when you wrap it all up and you put it all together, the one who enjoys the favor of God just looks up and says, I don't, I don't deserve what God is doing and has done for me, but I'm grateful, really grateful. The perspective here is that the person who is blessed, the person who has the favor of God, is so grateful that they then turn around and give themselves, bless others. The blessed person then blesses someone else, giving of their time and their talent and their treasure for any and all that they know. At Edgewood, we like to say that we're here to help people, as many people as possible, as fast as possible, to find and follow Jesus. Now, we have found Jesus in general because we tried doing things our own way and we kind of crashed and burned, so to speak. Uh, It didn't work out the way we thought it was going to work out because we weren't as smart as we thought we were. We didn't understand the things we thought we understood. And uh, upon those uh, revelations, so to speak, we said, God, can you help? And God God was and is more than happy to help. And so because of that, we now follow him. Why? Because in our own ways, we messed up. We uh, were frustrated. We were uh, uh, exhausted. And we were looking to Jesus to find hope and joy and peace and wisdom. And because Jesus in his own life demonstrated that he has hope and joy and peace and wisdom, we follow him to gain those same things, to be blessed so that we can give and serve. It's how we live. It's, it just becomes second nature to us out of the gratitude. It's not out of duty. I said this last week. I'm going to say it probably each week that we're in this series. Blessing is not about a divine quid pro quo. It's not about God saying, I would like this, and I know that you can make the this come into my life. So I'll tell you what. Since I want the this that you can give me, how about I do that for you? Okay? And Does that sound fair? See, God doesn't need whatever it is that we have. What he wants is our devotion. He wants our heart. He wants us. And in return, he blesses us more than you and I have calculators to be able to measure. It just keeps on coming. And it's not just, again, the things that you can hold on to. It's in relationships. It's in contentment. It's in joy. It's in peace. 
There's an interesting discussion that takes place in the story of Jesus' ministry here. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 10. It'll be on the screen. You can follow along with me. Mark chapter 10, starting with the 32nd verse, he says this. They, those, the disciples and Jesus, were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Why are the disciples astonished and the rest afraid? Because this is toward the end of the life of uh, the end of the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus is uh, already a couple of times let them know when he gets to Jerusalem, some bad things are going to happen. And uh, they're, they're still going. And the you know we're we're going even though bad things are going to happen uh, we're still we're still doing this they're astonished that's the perspective there again he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him we're going up to Jerusalem he said and the Son of Man will be delivered over the chief priests and the teachers of the law they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Then, you get in this, there's been a really happy conversation going on, right? Right after, look what, look what happens. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. When the others heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. This is one of those sections of Scripture when you, you, you hear it, you, you, you go, wait, 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 wait. Did, did I just hear what I thought I heard is, is that what was really said? I mean, what, what I heard sounded more like two guys kind of do, kind of uh, trying to do a backroom deal for, for some political maneuvering to get coveted uh, uh, seats in government. I mean, this is something that you and I would expect from Beacon Hill or Capitol Hill, not Mark chapter 10, right? But yet that's exactly what happened. You and I are used to this kind of upward uh, mobility perspective. You know, you, you start off at this job and then you move up to this job and you move up to this position and then that position. And, and what happens is we think this. And generally, it, there's not necessarily a bad thing about this. We tend to think I'm going to serve here and then I'm going to earn this. And in earning this, I will be served there. I'm going to do this so I can be taken care of later. And I want you to know that Jesus isn't necessarily saying anything different. Hear me. But he's saying that while you're here, you never stop serving. 
While our time here is concerned in, insofar as the opinions of people are concerned, uh, we tend to think that we ascend into greatness. And Jesus says, no, 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 not so with you and me. While we're here, we descend into greatness. And there's a big difference. If we want the ascending perspective, then we're always going to think that what we did has more value because we need to get to the higher spot. Whereas what Jesus is saying is just serve. Whoever wants to be first among you, you have to serve first and more. Then you'll be the greatest among you. When you first hear it, you're thinking, no, that sounds like someone that's trying to manipulate me into doing what they want done. But that's not the way that the believer thinks. Remember, the believer understands that God blesses and blesses and blesses and blesses again. And you take a look around, you think, I don't have to serve God because he's good to me. I get to serve God because he's so good to me. That's the point. It's kind of a bizarre conversation, don't you think? Jesus gets done talking about what's really going to happen to him in the end. And James and John, yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, 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 cross and that kind of stuff and flogging and beating and, and spitting and condemning. And yeah. Uh, by the way, can we talk about the cabinet positions? You know, it seems kind of bizarre, but sometimes we're focused more often uh, in our weakness about what we get out of this rather than what we get to do. And the more the believer begins to take a look around and see how blessed we really are, we're not worried about how much more God's going to bless because God just does that. He does it over and over and over again. It's why we give. It's why we serve. It's why we come together and why I encourage others to be together. That's the whole point of all of this. Last week I told you that when it comes to giving, that the the heart of uh, the heart of giving is uh, a heart of generosity, and so when it comes to serving, uh, the heart here is a heart uh, a heart of humility, a heart of humility. It's that perspective that says, "God, I, I don't deserve what you give to me." but I'm so grateful and I'm not sure what kind of talents or ability I have, but whatever I can do, whatever these hands can do, whatever this mind can think, whatever this voice can say, wherever these feet can go, they're all yours. They belong to you. That's the heart of humility. Our purpose is to help as many people as possible, as fast as possible, help people Find and follow Jesus. You may not realize it. You may not think it. You might think that it's just a part of the way that we do things, but 
when you're standing, if you're on the greeting team and you're standing in, in maybe outside the front doors or in the welcome area, your smile matters. Your gentle voice matters. If you make coffee in the morning, it, it matters. If you're singing, it matters. If you're helping Sarah work with the children's ministry, it matters. If you're help, uh, hosting a life group in your home or if you're, if you're facilitating one and teaching, it matters. If, if you come and, like, we had a great group yesterday that came and helped just to clean things up to make the building look a, a, a lot better. What you did yesterday matters. Why? Because when you put all those things together, those things together help people to find and follow Jesus. You might not think that it all comes together, but I'm telling you, it really does. It, it, it matters. You're helping in the ways that you serve in the ministries here at Edgewood. It makes a difference in helping people to find and follow Jesus as many as possible and as fast as possible. What you do makes a difference. And we love helping people like this. I mean, consider the things that we, we will run in races to, to help people. I got a couple of pictures there. Um, uh, we'll run in races to help people. Pan Mass Chalice. Where are you, Bob? There, right there. Bob, the, he loves doing that. And we, we, we encourage him and cheer him on and do different things like that. People will run in races to help people. People will shave their heads to, uh, to, to help people. I, I never figured that one out. I'll help. You know, I, I never did figure that out. People get a kick out of it. Right? And, and it's amazing. Isn't it amazing? You want to shave your head? I'll donate to that. You know, how, how does that work? But it works, Right? And people will not just uh, run in races or shave their heads. They will donate blood to help people. Uh, July 3rd, if you uh, haven't heard just yet, every year we have a, uh, we've been having a, a, a blood donation drive, a, the Shane Farrell Memorial Drive. It happens this year on July 3. Okay, so kind of, if you want to right now, you can even pull your phones out and mark that down. Um, and where is Dean? Where is Dean? Uh, see, uh, Dean, uh, raise your hand one more time. Look over there. You can go talk to that guy about that if you want to donate blood on that day uh, just to help. We love helping people. And if we'll help people by riding bikes or by shaving our heads or donating our blood, what about helping people to know Jesus, helping people to find and follow him? That's the whole point. That's about serving, participating in the ministries here that we have and helping people to have the hope, the peace, the contentment that one can have with Jesus. That's what that's really all about if we're so willing to help people then why does jesus what jesus says about serving seem to be so challenging that we have to descend into greatness why sometimes does that rub us in some contexts the wrong way he said for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He did not come to be served. He didn't show up on this glorious white steed amid trumpeting fanfare and a really long parade so that we could hoot and holler. He came to roll up his sleeves, dirty his hands, 
and then give his life for all. One of the reasons I think that it's a challenge to us, I want you to understand that when it comes to serving, really, first and foremost, you cannot serve. You can't. You cannot serve the Lord until Jesus has first served you. If you try to jump the gun on this, if, if you hear a guy like me talking about Jesus, you say, you know, uh, everything I hear about this Jesus guy, I, I, I like him, but I, I'm not sure, you know, what's really all involved. I mean, you're talking about my sin, Shan, and, but I know that there's a whole bunch of other people that have done a bunch of stuff wrong. And yeah, you're right, and, and me included. But I'm not talking to you about your sin. God's talking to you about that because I have a hard enough time taking care of mine. And when it's all said and done, the reason why Jesus has to serve you first is that is where it all starts. Because God and God alone knows that great gift that you need to be restored in relationship with God by having your sins forgiven through the blood of Jesus, having that great gift of salvation as a result of that, having, done, having some, something done for you that only God can do for you, when God has done that for you and you recognize that now you have that contentment, now you have, just to get rid of that guilt, to get rid of that baggage, to get rid of all that stuff. And God does that for you and for me. And in doing that, in gratitude, because he first served you, you now will serve him. That's what it's like. Now, you might think that that's a bit extreme, but really it's not. It, it's really not. You, 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 you young guys, you, you get this. Because uh, your folks do things for you all the time. And the stuff that only your folks can do for you. Only, and, and lest we say, and that's what ch- you, right now parents are going, that's right, you listen to him. All right. But before you get too, too hot, our parents did it for us too. And there are people that do things for, you know, I, I, um, uh, Memorial Day weekend, just, just to give me an example. Memorial Day weekend, I went to go out and uh, cut my grass, and I walked out, and one of the tires on my, uh, my John Deere was flat. And, uh, oh, great. So I ran down to the John Deere store there, and uh, instead of fixing the thing for me, they just sold me a tube. And I said, oh, this is kind of like a bicycle tube. He goes, oh, yeah, it's a piece of cake. <laughs> well, yeah, he, he, honestly, he told me that they just don't do that anymore. And so I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. I took it home and I started doing the, I literally was jumping up and down. I said, I hope nobody's recording this on video because I look like an idiot. I really did. Um, eventually, I just, I, I, it was Saturday afternoon on Memorial Day weekend. I wonder if there's a tire store open. The one right down here, the New England Tire, right on Main Street. Went right down there to that guy. And uh, he said, yeah, we can take care of that. And he said, just come back in about an hour. Okay, ran over to Home Depot. To, I come back in an hour, and um, uh, I said, what do I owe you? He goes, nothing. I couldn't do that. I don't have the equipment. After a while, I'd have gotten frustrated and probably yelled and screamed and, you know, done a real manly thing by taking a tool and hitting the tire, you know. But he did for me what I couldn't do. 
I said, thank you so much. I told him I'm going to use him illustratively in a place like this because he was good. You see, that's the stuff that God does for you and me. He serves us first. And then out of gratitude, we then serve him. That's, that's the whole point. And that's where it has to start. It, it can't start in any other place. Because if it starts in any other place, you know what we tend to think? Even in church, okay, I haven't, it's been about 20 years since I was in the nursery. I'll take my turn. It's been about a year and a half since I worked on the churchyard. I suppose I better go do it. It's been a while since I helped make coffee. I, I guess I'll go. You know, I hate greeting people. But if I have to, I'll go out there and smile a little bit. You know, that's, I mean, that's perfect. Let's, let's put Eeyore at the front door. You know. But if you flip that around, then you start to think, wait a minute. I, I just got it now. Look, God has taken care of me. He's, he's, he's blessed me. He's, he's taking care. He leads me to guys that, that can put my tire together. He helps me, and, and things coming together, and I get great friends and folks who I've known for years come and visit me on the weekend and all different kinds of fun stuff, and next thing you know, I can't wait to honor God the way that he's blessed me and so I can stand at the door and smile and I can look at little kids in the nursery and I can say, man, they're good looking. I, I, I can. I, 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 that's, the, that's the joy, you see. Otherwise, it's just that quid pro quo. It's, we do it out of guilt and there's no joy there. That's just burden. It doesn't work like that. We love because he first loved us. We give because he first gave to us. We serve because he allowed his life to serve as a ransom or a payment for ours. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And then he said this, apart from me, you can do most of what you need to do. No. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It all begins and is sustained because of our relationship with him. You can't serve until Jesus has first served you. And having been blessed by the blood of Jesus, having been covered by the blood of Jesus, having been served by the Son of Man, then you and I serve with the right heart, with the right mind. You can't serve until Jesus has first served you. Have you ever been um, in a position to say, I was born to do this? Has there ever been a time in your life when you say, Yep, I'm supposed to be here. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. By the way, that's, I think, exactly what Jesus meant when he calls you and I to be born again. 
to be renewed in purpose, to have talents and abilities that may have faded, to have contentment and joy that may literally have died, for all of that to be restored, to be born again. And in that new birth, there is new life. And in that new life, there is new hope. And in that new hope, there are just enormous numbers of opportunities to make a difference in somebody else's life, to help them find and follow Jesus. You can't serve until Jesus has first served you. And with that new life, we serve with an understanding that in serving others, then, you follow Jesus' example. You can't serve until he's first served you. And then in serving, you follow his example. There are things that only Jesus could do, and he was faithful to that uh, calling of God. And there are things that only you guys can do. And in doing it, you are faithful to the calling of God. Following his example is why we're here. To find and follow Jesus. Most of you know what not to do. Anybody ever made a dumb mistake? Every, anybody ever been foolish enough to make a mistake on purpose? Been there too just get so mad you're sick and tired of trying to please somebody else or make something happen so you just say you don't care and you do it anyway most of us know what not to do but we came to Jesus because we were tired of getting burned by knowing what not to do and now we follow his example because he knows what to do and we look to him Lord where do I go here what do I what do I say and the wisdom just keeps on coming. We do life like Jesus did life. Paul writes to the church in Philippi this, from Philippians chapter 2. As you deal with one another, John referenced this just a little bit ago. As you deal with one another, you should think and act as Jesus did. In his very nature, he was God. Jesus was equal with God, but Jesus didn't take advantage of that fact. Instead, he made himself nothing. He did this by taking on the nature of a servant. He was made just like human beings. He appeared as a man. He was humble and obeyed God completely. He did this even though it led to his death. Even worse, he died on a cross. So God lifted him up to the highest place. He gave him the name that is above every name. When the name of Jesus is spoken, everyone will kneel down and worship him. So it was in serving, not in being served, where the honor was given. You get it? It was in serving, not in being served, where the honor was given. It's in honoring others, not trying to be in a position where we are honored. That's where the glory is. In surrendering everything, Jesus was then given glory honor, authority, and power. When we surrender our baggage, that's what we bring to him. I was talk, I've been talking with a couple of different people and using this uh, illustration. If you ever go to the airport and you're waiting at the gate, sometimes it's fun to sit, not necessarily in the seats that are closest to the windows to watch the planes come and go. Sometimes it's interesting to sit, sit in the seats right in the middle of the, of the, uh, the terminal and just watch people carry their bags. 
sometimes you got the person who's got it all together. They got that one carry-on bag and that one maybe laptop bag or, or backpack, and they know exactly what they need, and they're coming and going. Then you got that person that's got seven bags. And they've got everything delicately balanced on the biggest bag that has the best wheels. Right up until they start moving them. And then this bag falls off and that thing goes. And before you know it, you've got somebody doing this awkward baggage dance. And you just, sometimes you think, why, why are you bringing all that? And metaphorically, there are times we see people in life who are literally carrying Bags from months gone by and deeds gone by, things that happened 25, 35 years ago, and you just want to say, dude, let it go. I don't care who brings it up anymore. God covered it. It's taken care of. It's time to let that go. Be free and rejoice in all of that. That's where the hope is at. In surrendering everything, uh, our baggage, our burdens, our guilt, our shame, our regret, and our anger to God, he replaces them with gratitude, with contentment, with hope, with freedom, with fellowship. That's the best deal you can ever find anywhere. Restored to being with God again, we do not, listen to me, listen to me, Restored to being with God again, we do not, we cannot say to those that are still burdened. Shan, what are you saying? I'm saying, you're the person walking down the middle of the terminal. You've got all that baggage and God says, don't do that anymore. Don't continue to walk in life burdened like that. Let me take that burden from you. And, and the joy that you now have and the relationship that you have with God, just now that you've got that, you can't say to someone else who's carrying now bags down the terminal, you can't say, you're stupid. You're an idiot. You don't say that. You say, I know, how to, I know how to take that away from you. I know how you can now be free. Let me tell you about the most amazing man I have ever met in my life. His name is Jesus, and you need to know him. Having now had your relationship with, uh, with God restored, we cannot and will not say to people who were like we were, burdened, that we won't associate with them anymore. We go to them. We help them. We serve. We serve on Sunday morning by greeting them. We serve on Sunday morning by making coffee. We serve on Sunday morning uh, by, by, by singing or playing. We serve on Sunday by helping the kids and, and to grow and learn in their relationship with Jesus. We, we do whatever we can with whatever means and resources that we have to make a difference in somebody else's life because someone else in serving made a difference in our lives. This is how we do it. This is who Edgewood is. Jesus gave everything for us. We can give something for someone else. It's called serving. And you might take that word serve and, and you might say, hey, there's another word for that and it's volunteer. But I want you to take that spelling of that word and I want you to kind of move the letters around the same way they were if they were magnets on the refrigerator, you know? I, I want it to look like that, but I also don't want you to look at it like that because when it's all said and done, you're not serving to do your time. You're not serving to, to check in a box. You're serving to make a difference in one person's life, in the lives of one family. That's what you're doing. In that act, you 
were here to do that. You were born to be in this place and in this time to make a difference in somebody else's life. One person's life, the lives of one family, because that's the difference serving makes. When it comes to serving, the key to a blessed life is a heart of humility that is grateful for what Jesus has done and follows his example of serving, not being served, making a difference in someone else's life. God sent Jesus to make a difference eternally in your life. And now God is sending you with the message of Jesus to make a difference in someone else's life. One person's life. God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for blessing us. Lord, sometimes we, we tend to become overwhelmed by all the stuff that we've gone through, all the burdens that we've carried. And we tend to let our worlds get really, really small. We tend to think of all the stuff that we have to carry and then suddenly we realize that you are waiting for us to give it to you. And then in freedom, we sing and we dance and we smile and in that encouragement, we just want to tell everybody else that we can what a difference you've made in our lives. Thank you so much for blessing us. Thank you for encouraging us. Help us to share our time and our talent and our treasure to make a difference in one more person's life. To make a difference in one more family. This is the hope that you've given to us. Help us to give it to someone else. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name.